0: Welcome to Plant-Based DFW with Dr. Riz and Maya. Welcome back to another episode. We first met Dr. Tuttle earlier this year while on the holistic holiday at sea cruise. A week later, he was on his Texas tour, and we were fortunate enough to host Dr. Tuttle and his wife, Madeline. He stayed busy both on the cruise and in Dallas. He has been traveling and speaking in front of audiences for many years, spreading the word about compassion for the animals. Let's meet Dr. Tuttle. Okay, welcome to another episode of our podcast. Uh, Today we are very fortunate to have uh, Dr. Will Tuttle uh, join us. He's uh, a very busy man and touring Dallas and Texas right now, and so I I feel blessed that he's uh, been able to give us a little bit of time uh, for our podcast. Uh, Dr. Tuttle is a visionary author, educator, and inspirational speaker. Uh, He is uh, presented widely throughout North America and internationally. Uh, He's the author of the acclaimed number one uh, bestseller on Amazon, The World Peace Diet, and it is published in 16 uh, languages, which is amazing. He is also the creator of several wellness and advocacy training programs and also the co creator of Vegan Palooza, one of the largest online vegan events ever. He's also written several other books, uh, which I will uh, allow him to expound upon while we're talking. Um, he uh, has uh, been featured in several documentary films, which hopefully we can cover. He uh, received his Ph.D. from the University of California, Berkeley, and it focused on educating intuition and altruism in adults. Uh, and his doctoral dissertation was nominated for the Best Dissertation Award. He has taught college courses. He is a former Zen Buddhist monk, has written uh, several uh, albums and music, and he presents extensively throughout North America uh, and worldwide at college campuses, spiritual centers, conferences, and peace Social justice and animal protection, health, and environmental gatherings. Welcome, Dr. Tuttle.
1: Oh, great. Good to be with you. Thanks for the great work you're doing.
0: Well, thank you very much. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your World Peace Diet
1: book? Sure. Yeah, I wrote the World Peace Diet to basically put our routine abuse of animals for food from very far down on the list of. Uh, problems that we think we have in the world because we all think we have, oh, we know we have many problems like hunger, poverty, injustice, nuclear proliferation, climate change, all these things. And the abuse of animals is on the list, but it's near the bottom of the list because they're just animals and we're humans and we're mm-hmm. much more important than they are. Yeah. And to try to help awaken humanity to the basic fact that our routine abuse of animals, primarily for food, but in all ways... Uh, should actually be at the top of the list of things that we address because of two reasons. One, the massive amount of suffering that we're inflicting on these animals, as well as, number two, the fact that our routine abuse of the animals for food and other products, which is really essentially uh, the system of animal agriculture, just growing them and killing them as if they're just objects, that that is the primary cause of all the problems that we're having all the other problems that we're having so uh, i think once we begin to see the consequences of animal agriculture to see how it is leading directly to rainforest destruction and ocean devastation uh, water pollution and water depletion and to the many physical diseases that we have as well as many of the cultural diseases the injustice in the world hunger poverty uh, destruction of indigenous cultures, and and then the physical diseases. I know you as a as a physician and surgeon uh, are very well aware of the fact that animal-based foods are probably the greatest uh, attack on our physical health because Absolutely. Mm-hmm. we're not designed to be eating all that saturated fat, cholesterol, and, and so forth. And uh, so to see that, and then I'll go even deeper, actually, in the World Peace Diet to see how animal agriculture negatively impacts our psychological health Uh and the the inner landscape of our consciousness, of our feelings our awareness and and even deeper in some ways perhaps the spiritual dimension which to me is more the ethical dimension of uh, living a purpose on this earth that's not merely about consuming but actually about contributing to helping create a world of greater peace and harmony for the few decades that we're here uh, and really helping, and so um, I think once we begin to see that, that's really why I wrote the World Peace Diet. Because I think once we begin to see that, we begin to be able to make changes in our own lives that are absolutely revolutionarily good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can we can transform our lives uh, at a deep level. It seems like something very simple, like you know, very obvious, very mundane. Just you know, change change our food a little bit here and there. Stop eating animal foods, but. If it was so easy, everybody would do it. So it's, it's right, obviously right. something uh, difficult there. <laughs> well,
0: we've we've discussed uh, so, the you know the culture yeah. and, and what how that happens. I was particularly uh, uh, caught or interested in, in how you speak of the karmic consequences, of the abuse of animals uh, that that we do in our society, and and how it it really is we are hurting ourselves by doing it. We walk around like zombies, not realizing what we're doing.
1: Right. Well, that's it. That's part of the, I think, the uh, consequence of the vandal agriculture. Uh, and uh, I have a chapter uh, uh, that goes specifically into this. And uh, in just in brief, it's fascinating, actually, to see that all of the problems that we are experiencing, that we even read about in the news and see on television and so forth, that we're trying to solve, and we're just not succeeding at all. Uh, these very problems we are actively inflicting on animals and not making the connection. We're Mm -hmm. taught not to make, for example, if you look at a lot of the physical diseases that are rampant in our society, virtually all of them we're inflicting on animals. Obesity, for example, is a terrible problem. That It's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Well, what are we doing to animals? They're sold by the pound. So we have whole armies of scientists that do nothing Mm -hmm. but try to figure out how to fatten up animals faster and more efficiently through breeding and feeding and... Uh, through um, uh, genetic uh, manipulation and all these things. So we create these super-fat animals, and what happens? We get fatter and fatter, and the same thing with many diseases like osteoporosis, where we're unfortunately forcing these animals to overproduce milk and dairy products and uh, eggs and other uh, products, and this is devastating to their bone health, and we find, of course, the same problem happening to us. Uh, Other problems like... um, Like cancer, we're inflicting on animals the breakdown of their families, the uh, forcing them to take so many uh, toxic drugs and so forth. All these things we do to them, and it comes back to haunt Mm -hmm. us. So this is a very clear example to me of what you when you say the word karma, which is basically whatever we're sowing, we're going to reap sooner or later. And yet we're living in a society where no one makes these connections, and that's Mm -hmm. part of the problem is that animal agriculture reduces our actual capacity to make these connections. It reduces our intelligence, which really, the definition of intelligence is a capacity to make connections. And since eating animal foods is, is at its core, uh, a narrative, a story, that we tell ourselves that these animals are here for us to eat. But right. as, as human beings, we don't feel good about it. We don't actually uh, feel good about ourselves abusing and... Uh, killing and exploiting animals at such a and then eating it at such a massive level so we just practice over and over again not making connections not thinking about it not telling uh, not being honest with our children not telling them what really happens and that's the problem yeah
0: it seems we've created a belief set and now right. we believe it and we don't delve any further into it to, to re-examine it where did that belief set come from
1: right and the, and that's the funny thing because if someone comes up to me and questions a belief that I have, that I did not arrive at freely on my own. Mm-hmm. It was just injected into me from infancy by cultural programming that how can I respond? I mean, when someone challenges that belief, I can't do anything. All I can do is say, uh, well, the weather's nice today, or <laughs> try to change the subject, or just sort of close down, or strike out and say, what, what, are you, what a jerk you are. Don't, don't you, you know, I like bacon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just say something that's completely, in a sense, nonsensical, because that's the, that's the wound that we've all been inflicted with is that we believe a whole belief set like you say that we it wasn't a choice it was just injected into right us. right and that's interesting uh it i we shouldn't be
0: offended if people say hey uh explain your belief set because right, it should be right. something founded on right. you know reason right. and, and uh, you know uh, something that you believe in yeah, uh, yeah. you should be able to explain it uh, and i think that's one of the reasons people respond kind of defensively so much right. is because they probably haven't thought it through or if they start to look at it a little more c- closely it begins to this this cognitive dissonance occurs where they're like oh you know i don't know if i like so much what i'm doing and i can either just back off and keep doing it and not look any further or if i keep looking further i might see something i don't like
1: yeah it's cognitive dissonance and even more deeply there's a word affective dissonance you know it's hmm. like our feelings it's not just our cognition and our and our ideas that are completely not matching up, but it's our feelings that aren't matching up. Our natural feelings of of not wanting to see our dog be harmed or not wanting to see animals harmed, and then yet paying for it and eating violence all the time. So our feelings are categorized in a way that basically uh, really shuts down our capacities on so many levels and. When you said earlier that uh, it, it makes us a little bit like zombies, you know, I think what you're talking about is it just it just makes us not aware of our actions, and this is a, a, unfortunately is a recipe for disaster. When we have the kind of technology we have, where we can cut down rainforests, we can build bombs, we can do all these things that can really destroy our planet and our each other. We really are called, I think, to try to overcome. Uh, and awaken out of and heal, I guess is the best word, uh, these wounds, and to realize that each one of us as individuals can do that, right? We can start with ourselves as an individual right. and do that healing ourselves, and then hopefully we can uh, share this with other people. And I think that's what you, I love what you're doing because uh, by educating people locally at a grassroots level and through, through um, the Internet and however we can – Uh, we're creating a field of change and and positive uh, understanding.
0: When I began to research this and understand it more, I was really surprised how much impact a single person can have by uh, by not eating meat, by not abusing animals, by going uh, vegan. And uh, it was shocking to see how much resources are put
1: into creating that meat that we buy in the store. Well, that's something that, you're right, it's, it's hidden from us, it's not talked about, it's not in the news and the media. Um, I, I understand this because being raised in the media, I learned early on that you don't run articles and, and news stories that, ex- that basically uh, question (laughs) the practices of your advertisers Mm -hmm. and so in the big advertisers as we know are pharmaceutical industries the food industries the chemical industries the the banks all these there's always this connection with profits and I think that's one of the hardest things in our system today the other thing too is um, the tribal nature of humanity I think we're we pride ourselves on being rational but in many ways, we're much more tribal than rational. In the sense that we want to get along and fit in to mm-hmm. our society. Yeah. And so, uh, at a deep level, when we look at someone who's a vegan and we're not a vegan, you know, that kind of thing, we think, well, they're from another tribe. I don't trust these other tribes. I trust the people I'm with. These are what's what my father, my mother, my teacher, my minister, my doctor, the government. You know, all my people. This is what, this is this is who I am. That's the way I <laughs> was this raised. I did, this is how I was raised. And, yeah. and you know, I'm not going to change. But like you say, when we look at the devastating impact on the Earth, I mean, it's shocking. The National Academy of Sciences, which is very conservative, and the United Nations and these very conservative organizations are saying it's at least 12 to 15 to 1 in terms of how much land. We can feed 12 to 15 people eating a plant-based diet, the amount of land it takes to feed one person eating a standard Western diet. And the same thing is true of petroleum use, of pollution, of water use we can dramatically reduce our environmental footprint by moving to a plant-based way of eating. And this is really good news. It means that as human beings awaken out of this cultural program of violence towards animals, we'll also be healing our earth, Mm -hmm. the only one earth we have to give to our children. So just on that level alone, I think... Moving to a plant-based way of eating is is the greatest single act anyone can uh, adopt in order to help be a healing force on the planet. And as you know, we don't pay a price in our physical health. If anything, gosh, here we are—you know—much healthier oh, than the typical. population. Yeah, it's not about paying a price. You actually are
0: healthier. Yeah. That's I mean, I, I'm a I'm a physician and a scientist, and uh, I came to this conclusion about health on a plant-based diet based on the data. And uh, so there's, it's not me just picking something out of the air and saying, okay, I'm going to start doing this because right. it's the latest fad diet or somebody wrote a book about it. Um, and uh, uh, that's what's uh, – there's so much data to support that. And, it, and it's amazing to me how it's all interconnected. We can, we can help ourselves uh, and our own health and live longer and healthier, uh, and, and it helps everything else. Right. You know? it, it, once again, it's, to me, it's this, the one biggest impact we can make is going – Plant right. based, you know?
1: And and for me, uh, now in my 39th year being a vegan, I just love the fact that I'm, in a sense, I'm a, I'm a living experiment here. And mm-hmm. 39 years of eating no meat, dairy products, and eggs, and I look around the people my age, and, you know, 65 years old, and I can run circles around them, you know, and it's it's not nothing to be proud of. It's just to see that, gosh, you know, the, the physical having radiant physical health and lots of energy and having a clear mind is really a foundation for any kind of happiness and also of having a purpose mm-hmm. and how can we live our purpose for this precious life if our faculties are being damaged and dumbed down and desensitized and made uh, into a mere shadow of what they could be this is something that I think as individuals we really need to um, wake up and realize that all the world's great wisdom traditions agree uh, on the basic truth that as we bless others, we will be blessed. As we free, others will be free. We're not going to become healthier by making millions of other beings diseased, right? We're just right. creating more disease in the world. Massive amounts of antibiotics and drugs and toxic pollution is going to inflict all these other animals. And how how is it going to be other, anything other than the fact that we see what that we are ourselves suffering disease because of that. So it's definitely past time for us to wake up here, and <laughs> we're in such critical times today,
0: I think. If we haven't already passed the point of no return, we are rapidly approaching it on right, many levels. Exactly. I, I came into this from the standpoint of healthcare. I treat patients who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s, and, and these people were spending the last 15, 10 to 15 years of their lives dealing with chronic disease on a daily basis. They're becoming more debilitated. They're not enjoying the the latter half of their life. There's got to be a better way. We need to find a way to uh, live a healthy, happy life as we as we age. We're not going to live forever, but uh, it'd be better to live healthy and, and enjoy the last few years of your life rather than being in and out of a hospital every year the last few years of your life.
1: Right, and to also remember that In any society, traditionally, it was the elders that were the great resource of wisdom in the society. I mean, it was the elders who were healthy, who were were wise, who had a, a big view of life and deep wisdom and understanding and compassion and awareness that was the greatest resource for the whole society. They could depend on the elders to help guide the society, the culture, the village through difficult times. And what we find more and more is that elders in our society, because the elders are so sick, because unfortunately we've been disconnected from our natural wisdom, we've been eating animal foods and just learning to not ask questions, to stay shallow and not care deeply That we become narrow-minded, sick old people who are irrelevant in many ways, Mm -hmm. because we're—it's not—we can't blame the society. We really need to take responsibility ourselves, uh, because uh, I think you know anyone who who grows old and ripens, and especially you know on a plant-based diet, with all the wisdom that we're accumulating and 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 cultivating our compassion and kindness. We become an enormous resource of wisdom. Think of Jane Goodall, and think of there's so many people who have developed who, out of their compassion for animals, and for human beings, have become uh, lights of wisdom and kindness. I think this is a very important thing for all of us. You know, my mother is now 90 years old. Uh, She's been a vegan for the last uh, 20 years, and in the last 20 years, instead of being like most old people. Uh, around her who are on medications and who are losing their memory and can't think straight and don't know who they are. She's a beautiful uh, expression of life, and she's you know remembers it, you know, us and everybody and is helping people as best she can and mm-hmm. doing a lot of good things. So I think uh, it's really a responsibility that we have as individuals to take responsibility for our health and not depend uh, just on outside forces to force us right. to be healthy by right. drugs or procedures. And the misery that we're experiencing, we're also passing on to other people.
0: Yeah. but well, we have we have stopped taking personal responsibility for our health. Yeah. Our system has designed right. it that way, uh, which is uh, also frustrating to me uh, when my patients want, they come in and they expect a pill or an operation they or something.
1: They They think yeah. you're the problem. If yeah. they're not healthy, it's your fault. Or if I can't fix them, I'm <laughs> the problem. It. Right. I mean, and
0: uh, when I start talking right. to them about them taking responsibility for right. their health. It's interesting I uh get I'm, angry then. <laughs> well I made a contract. Uh, two years ago I wrote up a contract that every one of my patients has to sign and it says that we are here to help you, but you are also responsible for your health. And and it's it's there's no it's not a legally wow. binding contract, but it's something that I make them read Maybe to open their eyes and their mind to the fact that they have to take part in their own health.
1: Right. What can you do if they're going to insist on wounding themselves over and over again? You can't heal them. Right. Their body has to heal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And actually, I think that so much of our illness is the fact that we are just, we are constantly wounding ourselves with the standard American diet or the Western diet. It's a, the example I use is if you take a hammer and you hit your thumb with a hammer every single day, it's never going to heal. And that's what we're doing. We're hitting our body with a hammer every day. I think the body is a beautiful machine. It's well built. It's well designed. And if left to its own devices and if we don't injure it on a regular basis, it's going to be healthy. It's a wonderful
1: vehicle for us to express, to learn, to grow, to contribute. And you would think we'd be very conscious and aware to take good care of this preciousness. It's, it's the only one we've got yeah. over this lifetime. So.
0: Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. It's the awareness. And uh, how do we inject this awareness into everybody? Or how do people come about, you know, and getting the message?
1: Right. I think the, uh, the the best way that we can share this message is to make an effort every day to live it ourselves and uh, to bring every dimension of our life into congruence so that we take time to, to question the old thoughts that are still probably in our minds about uh, criticizing and blaming and competing with others, to be a giver, to be here to Bless the world, and to, in, our, in the intimate details of our lives, to care about the people that we come in contact with. And I think as we do that, we are building. We're part of a movement. The vegan movement is really a movement. It's not really a vegan movement. It's a movement of healing and awakening that transcends any single word. It's um, it's about love and and respect and and uh, a transformation of the way we're we're thinking about mm-hmm. uh, animals and ecosystems and ourselves to see that we're all interconnected and uh, that we can all contribute to the awakening of our world. So by, like what you're doing through helping people to become more aware of the of a better way of eating to help their health and uh, what other people are doing with cooking classes or with making movies or videos and what you're doing with education through, through the media. I mean, these are the things that I think that will when we get ready to leave this world, we'll at least know that we did our best, and that's all we can do: do our best while we're here. And I think, if, as we do that, we are creating uh, and planting the seeds of a po- very positive future. Yeah, yeah, I, th-
0: I like that. The uh, idea that it's it's not just a vegan movement, but it's a transformative thought. You know, your transformation yes. of thought about many things. Uh, and and they they're all interrelated to some extent. It right? is. Yeah. Right.
1: We should be careful not to just narrow it down to this one word, vegan. It's much bigger than anything. It's its really uh, living our lives as we're intended to on this beautiful planet.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
1: We seem to follow the money. The money right. is what uh,
0: kind of controls how things happen. There's a, a momentum in this area. Uh, people are starting to pay attention, and industry is starting to pay attention to and, and create products for... Uh, plant-based products and vegan products and things like that.
1: Right, exactly and I think that's another wave of the future we can see it happen, even uh, I think the Economist magazine uh, just recently designated 2019 as the year of the vegan. Yeah, this is really, (laughs) so they can see it, like like the handwriting on the wall Mm -hmm. this is one of the fastest growth industries people are definitely waking up, the genie is out of the bottle, the vegan movement is off and running and just the whole idea that getting protein from imprisoned animals is like so 20th century, maybe yeah. even way before that. Yeah. So we're uh, we're seeing, uh, I think, a, at the very beginnings of a completely different way of feeding humanity. Because with this many people, we can, for certainly, not do this anymore, and the system is completely obsolete. So to build a system that's based on harmony and sustainability, that that just naturally makes the other system obsolete, is what's happening. And that's where the future is. That's where the future of health care is. That's where the future of food is. That's really, I think, where the f- uh, future of energy is. And if we're going to have a future at all for our children, that's where it is. And the wonderful thing is that it's based not only on the most modern science, but it's also based on the most ancient wisdom. You know, I wrote recently, I uh, published a book... Uh, through vegan publishers called Buddhism and Veganism, which mm-hmm. just shows the, the beautiful connections between the ancient wisdom traditions from Asia, and uh, and the modern situation that we're in. That these universal principles, like we were, we're talking about that, uh, whatever we sow we reap, uh, are absolutely true. And people have really understood for centuries, uh, maybe even thousands of years, that to kill and eat animals for food, it goes completely contrary to our natural wisdom. And this other book, Circles of Compassion, um, that I edited is about how social justice issues, that that racism and sexism and uh, ableism and classism and these other problems that we're having uh, come from the same mentality of animal agriculture, this mentality of of categorizing others and saying they're less than us, that we're privileged, that there's an elite class, Hmm. those that are entitled, and so forth. This is the underlying template of animal agriculture. So we create so much suffering, not only for the animals, but for each other. And to understand how we can connect with our inner wisdom, and you know, we have this other—the the other book we have is on in developing intuition, uh, called Your Inner Islands. And I think this uh, idea that we have not only this wonderful capacity to be logical and rational, which is really important, but we also have an inner wisdom uh, of the heart that knows at a deep level what is right for us to be doing with our lifetime, to guide us to live our unique life, and to make choices that reflect our deepest values. And this is a something I think veganism really helps us to awaken because when we begin to feel better about ourselves and how we're living, not harming others and not eating the, the violence that we're causing, then our mind and heart become clearer and we begin to have more love, I think, and appreciation for other, not only for ourselves, but for others as well. Mm-hmm. And this is part, I think, of the deep healing that... Most people most people don't realize it's possible. Most people think yeah. that when they give up eating meat and dairy products and eggs, they're giving up something. Oh, gosh, you know now I can't have those foods that I love. It's kind of like someone who loves cigarettes and thinking, oh, man, I can't give up this. It's great. But when you give it up, it's like so much better. <laughs> and what we're really giving up is just disease and misery and uh, toxicity. And what we get is at a whole other level, a much higher and happier way of living.
0: But at a very little level, we're only giving up five or six things, you know, uh, different types of meat, some dairy, some cheese. But there's a whole world of plant foods out there, oh, thousands and thousands. thousands of different foods it's you true. can eat and try. And what I've learned from you a little bit is that the vegan part is just part of a bigger life, a way of life or a bigger philosophy. But it does seem that this particular aspect uh, is what has hurt us a lot, you know, and by and by addressing that, it, we can we can remove the injury and then become uh, whole
1: again. Right. That's that's really well said. I think because it is veganism is huge. It's very important. Uh, it's essential that we understand as, as best we can all the ramifications of veganism. And the beautiful thing is, when we do, then we see that it branches into something far, far greater. And I think that's beginning to dawn on people now, that this is uh, much bigger.
0: So it it brings to mind uh, when you talked about uh, where you went for some of your uh, uh, Zen training. and They've been vegan for 800 years as a a society, right? right? And I'm sure it wasn't that they were saying, hey, we need to be vegan. It was part of a bigger philosophy. Right, and it's about not harming others or animals, and and so naturally they were vegan. Right, right? but they didn't call themselves
1: that. No, right? exactly. It's just it's just a way of life that, that flows in effortlessly from realizing that when we're meditating a lot and being receptive and trying to come into harmony with the truth that we are, it becomes really obvious that you're not going to get very far. Right. <laughs> by eating the flesh, uh, you know, by hurting animals and stabbing them, it's like completely contrary to this whole effort yeah. so it becomes very obvious
0: and they want to have kindness and compassion towards all right. other people and animals so it's uh, like I said at least I get the concept that they weren't saying hey I want to be a vegan I don't want to eat meat and they're saying there's a way of life and that way of life is kindness and compassion and not harming anybody yes yeah. Okay.
1: It's, yeah. not, it's, it's right it's compassion and kind of this idea of a radical inclusion of all beings in the sphere of our kindness and Mm -hmm. concern. And when we do that, uh, it just makes our heart bigger, it makes our life bigger, it makes our joy greater. We may also feel the the grief uh, of... Uh, of knowing about the suffering that animals go through, but there's a beautiful thing about it. It's it's the, the poet Gahil Gibran said, until you weep all of your tears, you'll never be able to laugh all of your laughter. You know, I think that's a very important truth because if we just... Are afraid to to be aware of what's actually happening. We kind of s- s- confine ourselves to the thin, shallow veneer, this thin layer of not feeling any joy, not feeling any grief. We're never really alive. Mm-hmm. But to really open up to the suffering of animals and then open up to the joy of of helping them to be free. You know, it's a it's a it's a, our life gets much more rich and full, and we become larger, and we can hold more, and our intelligence and our capacity for Uh, for sensitivity and deep feeling get much greater. And I think this is how we give a gift to the world. You know, the great artists and musicians and contributors were not shallow people. You know, Beethoven and all these people, they've had great uh, emotion, powerful emotions, and that's what why they touch us so deeply. I think all of us can uh, deepen ourselves by opening up to really what's going on here, being honest and being open and then responding to that.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, uh, Dr. Right. Tuttle, I'd like to say uh, thank you very much for spending some time. I've enjoyed having a conversation. W- hopefully, uh, we'll catch you next time you come back to Dallas. Great.
1: Right. Yeah. Much luck to you both, and thanks everyone for uh, for listening and for caring. You've been listening to Dr. Riz and Maya with Plant Based DFW.